0: Hello, and welcome. hmm After all your fears about your heterosexual boyfriend starting a podcast, <laughs> nobody was watching the lesbians. So here we are. I'm <laughs> Haley. This is uh, Emma. Hello, yes. And we're going to talk about why this movie is gay. It's a podcast about movies that, at first glance, may seem to be about heterosexuals, but we're here to demonstrate ah. to you why they are not. That's
1: right. And this movie... super super fucking gay
0: (laughs) there's gonna be swears (laughs)
1: yes yes should have warned but didn't
0: so the first movie we have up for you is the 1992 cult classic newsies probably possibly the last live action musical that disney made before realizing that musicals were not particularly profitable is that true I don't think it's true but there was definitely like a gulf right they sort of made newsies and then it was like we're not going to do musicals anymore and then chicago happened and everyone was like oh we can win oscars with musicals that's true and i feel like newsies got the weird brunt of because it's you know it's like a cult
1: hit now but i feel like at the time everyone was like kenny ortega what are you doing like what is this
0: film the note i have is that it was neither a critical nor a commercial success hugely true But as you say, it became a cult hit afterwards. Right, right, right. For mysterious reasons. I mean, not mysterious reasons, it's a great movie. And also, yeah, like, deeply
1: subterranean currents of, like, homoerotic brilliance that we will now discuss, I feel like, influenced the, the rise That's of muses.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so would you like to give us a very brief... Oh, God plot summary.
1: I would, yes. Um, ooh, very good. Okay, well, as, uh, as my favorite tiny child with a cigar and a gambling problem sets up in the very first (laughs) dialogue of the film, it's 1899, and, okay, let's see. A summary of the actual plot of Newsies is really short. It's ostensibly about unionizing. (laughs) It's about a bunch of newsboys, um, who uh, sort of de facto led by charismatic and vaguely Western uh, young Christian Bale doing a horribly bad but very charming New York accent, um, whose name is Jack Kelly, not his real name. And uh, the film focuses specifically on the newsies who work for Joseph Pulitzer, whose newspaper is The World. And then they raise the price because Pulitzer is in a, like, circulation war with William Randolph Hearst. They raise the prices of the newspaper for the newsies who have to purchase them in order to resell them by 10 cents a hundred. Yeah. Yes, 10 cents a hundred, yes. And uh, and then uh, pretty much all at once, all of the newsies are like, this will not stand. And then, oh, I skipped David's entrance, so I'm gonna have to let you double back and like take care of that in a second. But basically the, ac- the only actual plot is that all of a sudden Jack is like, everyone's like, we can't afford this. And then Jack is like, then let's unionize. This is like an, well, there's, there is an actual union strike in the background of the film. Apparently trolley workers are striking. That's a thing. And so the newsies are like, we're a union. If we won't go to work, not strictly true, but it's what they do. And And it works. And it does work. And that's pretty much the entire plot. Not the point but the, the backdrop of actual facts, so far as they exist.
0: Yes, and then, as you say, the sort of micro-level plot is the arrival of a new Newsy and yes. his younger brother. Sort of and a half, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, David and his cute kid sidekick accessory brother. Yes, yes love him. Who are the sort of, I mean, it seems like it'll be, like, the fish out of water who, like, introduce us to the yes. world of the newsies, but really it's because he's, yes. like, gone to school and yes. Yes. has a family and is educated and he is becomes, much too clean yeah yes exactly he's suspiciously clean he wears his shirt buttoned all the way up all the um, way to the top <laughs> exactly and so he helps the newsies articulate right. their grievances yes There's that's right the sort of Cyrano de Bergerac vibe If he has the ideas and right. Jack has the charisma and yes. between them they spearhead this strike right Jack falls in love mark, <laughs> he definitely falls his, in love with David's sister, um, and that becomes the very, very minor romantic subplot. Yeah, um, and then
1: also Denton exists. Let's get Denton yes. here.
0: Yeah, I feel like maybe we should just double back and make this whole <laughs> summary more concise. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, and then David's also the connection to he encounters a new an adult newspaper reporter who becomes from the Sun, who's yes. the only reporter to kind of cover the strike and kind of helps them get some attention and lifts it up from just. newsies beating up scabs to something that is brought to the attention of pulitzer and the greater public
1: right exactly right also somehow teddy roosevelt's involved also somehow there's an older uh fake swedish showgirl in kind of a vaudeville played by anne margaret did we need that no no one did but is it great i say yes
0: I was about to say, I think we're realizing why this movie didn't do super well. (laughs) But I mean, at its heart, it's basically like a very classic sort of like underdog, you know, labor rights themed.
1: Yeah. You know, one of those, one of those classic films
0: about labor rights. Well, it's like the, it's the classic Disney, like, kids sticking it to the man structure.
1: Yes, it's actually very, very simple, and weirdly, what's ironic about us having spent five minutes trying to articulate the plot of the film is that there is almost no plot to the film. It's just like, also, we haven't even talked, well, hmm, as I say that, we also haven't even talked about The Refuge and, like, Warden Snyder and that incredibly creepy subplot and, like, all of the other, it's basically like, look, kids in poverty and a horrible situation who like finally have decided that like enough is enough and maybe we'll do something about it
0: is the like
1: loose arc.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, as you said, like probably part of the reason that it's become like this cult hit is because there are some very queer vibes. The general camp aesthetic of having a bunch of 30 year old dancers in suspenders pretending to be children is, there's actually though, especially when you compare it to the stage musical that was made in the mid
1: 2010s. (laughs) Right.
0: There are a lot of actual children. Yeah, there are. Um, and actual late teens and early twenties people playing late teens people.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's part of why it works so well. Also just like, I mean, here we have our sort of strange de facto narrator at the beginning, Max Casella, who probably was like 13 at the time playing a tiny, like, a literal tiny newsie with a gambling problem and a cigar, and you're like, yeah, I, I buy, I buy it. Like, I,
0: I'll, I'll take it.
1: I'll it really
0: does. It. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the thing that Disney's so good at is casting like actual children in child roles. That's yes. like to this day yeah. how they roll.
1: They're fucking good at it. But yeah, okay. But let's get to let's get to the real
0: shit. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like we have to make a disclaimer up front, yes. which yes. is that like the argument we're making here is not that all homosexuality as depicted in cinema is gay. It's just, in this case, it is.
1: It profoundly is. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that what's going to have to happen here, perhaps as a disclaimer or indeed a tease of some sort, is that so many of the moments that we will no doubt touch on are profoundly visual. And because this is an audio format, what we will have to then do is describe in excruciating detail (laughs) how gay (laughs) the journey of this film truly is. Because...
0: I could not
1: believe when we rewatched it.
0: This is actually what I've been thinking about since we decided to undertake this horrible thing. Yes, is what is the what what elevates it from just like oh, it's a tale of sort of like male friendship that's very you know loving and pure into being gay, and it is like ninety eight percent the performance of David Moscow as yes, David, is. the conveniently named, has the same char- name as his character. We do love that. Who just, like, cannot look at another man without, like, this air of longing. It's deeply,
1: deeply smoldery, yes. And also, I think, for, for genuinely structural plot reasons that we're going to get into in terms of the structure of, like, how the story is told, like, what the emotional stakes are, what the consequences to people's actions are explicitly depicted to be. And like, and I mean, yes, the differences between that and the stage musical and the way that they've like chosen to tell the story and et cetera, et cetera. There is something like just undeniably and like just like outrageously gay about the the dual coming of age kind of journey of the film.
0: Yes. So let's begin with that dual coming of age. Yes, yes, Our two yes. main characters, Jack and David. And as we said, Jack is a yes. Homeless, parentless newsboy with a shady past. We do love it. We love to see it. And David is from a more stable family. He and his little brother become newsies because his right. dad is, like, injured in a non-specific factory accident and loses his job. <laughs> yes. And there's, like, it seems like there's going to be a subplot about the dad being like, oh, well, after I'm healed, you're going back to school. But that's very, that's never followed up on. That goes nowhere. No,
1: it falls away immediately. Right.
0: Yes. So, their journey begins as I would say the very like standard rom-com encounter of like you have the like free-spirited one and the straight-laced one and they instantly it is genuinely a meet cute as well yeah that's true yeah (laughs) so David shows up and he's trying to buy his first set of papers yes and then he like raises a fuss because he's like, I paid for 20 and you only gave me 19. (laughs) He doesn't actually have the same like ridiculous bad New York accent as everyone else, I guess, because he's upper class. But yeah, that's right. By upper class, we mean lives in a tenement, but has parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you don't
1: have parents, your accent slips like really, really far immediately. That's just one of the things that happens.
0: You know, It's only parents can teach elocution. That's right. That's right. Um, Mm -hmm. so then Jack sidles up and is like, oh, yep, it's 19, it's only 19, and sort of saves face and gives him 50 more newspapers. Yes. Against his will. Against
1: his will. Yeah. (laughs) Against his will. Also, like, comes to his defense in a very, in a very sassy way that I've always been obsessed with, and unfortunately can quote from memory, as I can most of this film. What he actually says is, uh, it's only 19, but don't worry about it, old Morris here can't count to 20 with his shoes on.
0: No, it's 19, weasel. It's 19, but don't worry about it. It's an honest mistake. I mean, Morris, he can't count to 20 with his shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there we go. The greatest. David's unimpressed. And then Jack follows this up by press-ganging his younger brother, who's adorable, <laughs> yes. into being his, like, face for selling his Press- Yeah, that's true. He's just like, oh, look, a kid. Let's yeah, go. He's like, I can make use of this. And we right. learned about Jack's philosophy, which is to sort of make up headlines, say whatever you need to say, as has been conveyed in the opening number, because we barely can discuss the fact that this is a musical. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's also a musical. <laughs> it's a musical. And as I've shared in the opening number, you do whatever you have to do to sell a paper, including taking someone else's tiny, small brother, child, mm-hmm. teaching him to cough and look pathetic yep. and sell newspapers using pity. Yep. And that's how you, uh, that's how you get things done. David's scandalized. He doesn't like to lie. He's the upstanding straight-laced one. Yeah.
1: Also, I just want to, be, to begin to introduce the thread that, as they've just met, and David is, like, seemingly unimpressed and ungrateful for what's just happened, where Jack is like, every news he wants more papes, take these papes, we're gonna sell these papes, your brother belongs to me now because of a debt, let's go. Like, as they're, like, as they're attempting to close the deal, and, and negotiate. Like, there's, like, a, there's a percentage split negotiated in that first scene. Um,
0: as yeah, all... Jack yeah them.
1: Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and as all, he can smell from their cleanliness that they have a family and he does not. Um, he, there the deal negotiating, Hank, like, haggling, ends, as with all newsy deals, with Jack attempting to close it by spitting into his palm and trying to shake David's hand. And David says, to the amusement of all the gathered newsies, no that's disgusting so that's a fun place to begin more on
0: that later <laughs> right we're, we're we're introducing the like symbol of their changing relationship
1: yes yes
0: in this disgust admittedly disgusting handshake yeah that's right <laughs> so that's where we start right and so then they sort of get up into hijinks over the course of like an afternoon of selling right. newspapers together jack continues to share his philosophy and then, as they're, like, at a random boxing match in the middle yep. of the street. Loving that. happen happened in I, New York. Yes. In the day. Yes. Um, He gets spotted by what seems to be a policeman, and they all go on the run, and... <laughs> yes. You know, they're fleeing through alleys because we have to have a chase scene, and they we take do. refuge in this, like, vaudeville theater, and... Because, David,
1: as like, I said when we first discussed it, this film, like conned all of us as small children into thinking that New York was just like, like music hall and bare knuckle boxing, which like, frankly, why is it not? I'm full, I've been full of disappointment for many years,
0: but you moved to New York seeking that Newsy life. That's right. That's right. There's no, there's no bare knuckle boxing to be found. Oh, to be a gay Newsy in 1899. Um, But yeah, so here we are in this music hall. Right. And this is where we begin to hear Jack's backstory, which is that he was in some sort of baby jail. A yeah, jail baby for jail. for children. The Refuge. The Refuge, the run refuge. by Snyder, who's the man who spotted him and was chasing him, and he escaped from jail, he claims, on the back of Theodore Roosevelt's carriage. Oh my god, thank you in. for not
1: letting us forget that, because it is truly the strangest thread in the film, and I will never understand its inclusion. <laughs>
0: But I think what's so great, I mean, it's a, but it's another aspect of this, right? Because of course, David doesn't believe him because David has learned by this point that Jack is full of shit. So he's like, oh, this is just another one of your stupid stories. You're a liar. Cool. Et cetera. Glad we've got that covered. Right. So then we have the first moment that I think we've highlighted for zooming out because we meet, as you mentioned, this like middle-aged fake Swedish showgirl played by (laughs) Anne Margaret. Love her who is buddies with jack because he knows everybody and she's like oh yes hide back in my theater and watch me perform my like titillating in a 19th century way you know showgirl act
1: yes she also used to know his father in in a tantalizingly unspecified manner i forgot that she's both she's both uh like it's it's interesting because she's both motherly and also strangely handsy with jack and that's something that's another thread
0: well, that's what another, like, all the newsies are, like, they're all, like, openly, like, salivating over her. And yeah, she, like, has this very maternal vibe towards them. It's very It's quite weird. weird, yeah. But, so, we have our first moment where Meta's, her name is Meta Larkin, get love, it? Love, love. Yeah, you know, in, I mean, which, to be fair, is one of the more, sort of, like, authentic vaudeville-feeling things.
1: Yes, that's true, that's true. Also, it's a play on, um, there was a, there was a fucking, um, yeah, like, early American... Swedish Nightingale thingy,
0: yeah. Well, so there, she's like, come watch us play. And so Jack's like, yeah, come on, come on, come see the show. In order to bring David (laughs) with him to watch this show, he grabs him by the tie. It is
1: outrageous.
0: (laughs) Because he has a little tie and, like, pulls him close and then, like, drags him along after to watch this act. Yes. And it's the first moment of, like... Oh, okay. Why? That doesn't seem like the only way to do that.
1: <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. And I think that, like, the... We're, I mean, we're gonna get into the, like, insane amount of touching that starts to happen. I don't know if this is Basically the from first this moment, point. but this is sort of the beginning, yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, from this point, it's just, like, any, any opportunity, as they're both sort of, like, standing in the, like, sidelines, and David doth protest too much, Of like, look at that woman, she's so hot and attractive, and a woman, and hot, whoa, she's so hot. (laughs) Look at that actual, real human
1: woman. Yes.
0: Seems like it should be setting up something, like a, I don't know, but it's not, it never goes anywhere, David doesn't get a love interest
1: well or does he get two (laughs) or does he he
0: He doesn't get a woman love interest no he does not but it does which like when you put it like that does make him feel like it's like okay well we realize what we've done so we better go back and make it clear that he is he likes women yeah it feels retroactive and compulsory but because remember also it's the 90s so bisexuals don't exist
1: yeah that's right that's right also a lot of these people i mean mostly sarah David's sister slash surrogate in the Jack love story, which again, we'll get to in a minute. But some of these people are from 1992 and they did not alter them in any way for the film.
0: No. Well, I think both of their hair, I was amazed that this came pre-Titanic because yes. Jack is really rocking a other yeah. Jack. Yes, played yeah. By Leo DiCaprio vibe. Yep. By- it's it's is- just a
1: slightly shaggy center part. It's a little bit like floaty over the forehead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And then similarly, David just has... His hair, like it's just totally normal.
1: Yeah, it's not in any way the same hair
0: he had in Big when he was like eight.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's just the '90s. It's just the '90s. But so here we go. From the vaudeville, we go to David and Les's home, and this is where we do, in fact, confirm and view through sort of Jack's like lonely orphan eyes the like cuddly center of you know it's like oh look a wholesome human family. There's like a birthday cake hidden in a cupboard. It's just like every fucking thing you could imagine. And then they sit down and have dinner, which is where we meet the girl. Yes. And the girl is just a fascinating cipher put here by the authors of this film to protect us from all of the gay shit to come. She's just truly like the most personality-less love interest that's ever existed at in, in anything that I've seen with my human eyes. Like, I just don't think, like, why is she here? She's just, like,
0: there to, yeah, carry on. I mean, for compulsory heterosexuality, there's really no other reason, especially because, I mean, I sort of feel like we should just, like, jump straight to, like, talking about her. It's like, so yeah, they sit at the table, he meets Sarah. David's sister. He's sort of kind of flirting with Sarah, but then he's also, like, really flirting with David. Like, they get really giggly. There's a part where, like, Les has fallen asleep, and then he starts singing the song that they heard at the musical, and the two of them are, like, exchanging these glances and giggling and, like, ducking their heads together. Like, there's already these, like, we're very close and we have a lot of secrets. We had a lot of, yeah, it's been a single day as well. Right, but they're already deeply bonded. Yes. But, like, Sarah, her inclusion we didn't like really mention it in the subplot, I mean, in the plot summary, because right. she doesn't do anything to she the plot at all. Her presence changes and adds absolutely nothing.
1: Also, she has like three scenes, and yeah. she's like, yeah, I mean, the moments at which she just sort of like she gets introduced here and then pops up, like, I think three more times in moments where she literally exists as like a physical canvas on which to project like, the consummation of whatever the emotional plot that's actually happening with David is. It's so it's, interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's literally, literally amazing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So just, like, put a pin in that. We've met Sarah. Yeah. She's the subplot love interest who yes. does not matter. Yeah. So, yes, there's, there's so much touching, there's so much hugging. As I've said, David is incapable of looking at Jack without just this look of, like, smoldering longing. Like, it's it's just genuinely wild. And I think the sort of consummation of this, to use your word, is... I put it on the table. This is so we're beginning. So basically what happens is... They, you know, they strike, they scab newsies get sent in and they beat them up. Some of the newsies get arrested and sent to the refuge. It's very difficult and sad. Yes. Um, and they decide to hold a rally at the music hall with the entertainment act of Meta for all the children. Who we all
1: love. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yes. All the boys are clearly big fans and have been to see her many times. And so this ra- uh, rally gets busted up by the police, right. Jack gets arrested, sort of, and taken directly to Pulitzer, right. who has learned that he's, you know, the, the ringleader, and there was a picture of him in the newspaper, and Snyder was like, that boy's a criminal, and Pulitzer's like, a criminal, this will be my excuse for shutting this, you know, strike down. Right. So he brings Jack, and he basically is like, I'll cut you a deal. Either you come and work for me and sell newspapers again, or I will ruin your life and the lives of all your friends. Specifically, your friend David. Who who has a family.
1: He mentions this. Pulitzer's like, remember your friend David, who you love, who has a family?
0: Yeah. And again, it's like, this would be a moment in a different movie where somehow, like, the love interest is the person who you're leveraging to make them Feel remorseful or make them make a decision they otherwise wouldn't make. Right. Because that's what love interests are for in many movies that don't really care about women. (laughs) Correct. But Sarah does not get mentioned except for as part of David's family. But really, it's about like he'll be separated from his family and sent to the refuge if you don't do this. So Mm -hmm. Jack takes the money, turns up the next day, and in front of all the striking newsies, now in like a snazzy new looking clean, looking suspiciously clean, buttoned, shirt buttoned all the way. Yes um, scabs for Pulitzer and, you know, grabs his stack of newspapers and all the boys are shocked and, actually, wait, no, I've done this wrong. Why? First, what he does is, so David- Ah, yes, yeah, we have to double back. and follows him to Pulitzer's place.
1: Also, like, there's a whole separate, like, the, the, the getting arrested scene as well is, like, a very dramatic, like, weirdly romantic, also full of touching, let me, like, throw my body in front of the police in order to save your life style situation.
0: Right, and there's also the moment when Jack's being carried away and David's literally, like, they're doing the thing where they're their hands. There's, like, a long reach. There is. Yeah. 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 And their hands are slowly pulled apart from one another. By, like,
1: the crowd. No, it's genuinely horrifying. So, yes. like, yeah, no, the
0: double back, though, that, yes, so yeah. sorry. So before, we, once we know that Jack has agreed to do this. Yes. Dave, he sort of, Pulitzer's like, okay, then you can leave. And David's waiting outside, having followed him there, not knowing what's transpired. And right. And he's like, Jack, come on, let's run. And Jack sort of makes a break for it. And Pulitzer's like, I mean, that's fine. We, yeah, there's nowhere he can go. Agreement. Right. Yeah. So they're sort of running and they find themselves in this alley. Right.
1: And then Jack literally shoves him against a wall And then David's like, no, what are you doing? And then Jack's like, I don't know. And then they have like an incredibly dramatic argument.
0: Without, but notably without sort of Jack saying what it's for. He's just like, just leave, leave me behind. Like, leave me. Don't wait around for me. Just go. And David's protesting. And (laughs) Jack's like got him pressed against the wall with his like hands on his chest. And David... It's the best. As he is the only face he's capable of making, just this look of, like, bereft longing. Abject longing. (laughs) And
1: this, like, deep emotional confusion. Thanks for what you've done, but you get out of here. I
0: don't understand. I don't understand either, but just get out of here! No! Go! Um... Yeah, I mean, so it's it's this, like, dramatic emotional moment, but, and I think the reason that I got confused is because David doesn't know what this is about, and Jack doesn't tell him. He's just like, just leave, don't worry about me, and David's sort of like, okay, and goes, because as far as he could tell, he's like, okay, well, Jack's free now, so whatever. So then we fast forward to, he sees Jack arriving to break the strike and sell newspapers, and he gets very mad. Sure does. Sure does. Um, Sure does. I think there's something, the, the, this, this happens to David twice. We'll get to this later. David gets betrayed twice. And in both of them, it's not, I mean, you know, this is like a classic twist in a plot like this, right? Like the leader gets seduced by the other side or like for reasons that he doesn't disclose seems to be giving up the fight, but it's so specifically framed as a betrayal of David. Yep. The intensity is all on, like, David's little broken-hearted face when he realizes what's happening, and he, like, comes up to Jack, and Jack is sort of dismissive of him because, you know, he's sort of having to keep it together. And then David in fury just throws himself at Jack trying yeah, to him Yeah,
1: there's a lunge. There's a horrifying
0: lunge. And the other newsies sort of hold him back, and it's, like, the intensity of his response is magnitudes above that yeah. of the other boys who have known Jack his entire life.
1: Like, for so much longer. It's incredible.
0: It's literally just, yeah, it's actually
1: framed as the story of this in, in exactly the way that it would be in a romantic, like, in a romantic plot. Like, the story of this misunderstanding, the story of the tragedy of David doesn't know the actual reasons because Jack was, like, too proud and upset to tell him. And, like, there's, like, the gulf of lack of information is just, like, deeply tense and weird.
0: It's exactly like, yeah, that 11th hour moment in a rom-com where then you have, like, a long, sad montage. Like a misunderstanding, yes. The misunderstanding montage. Yes, exactly. So, So, go ahead, yeah. There's that. No, you go, you go Well, I was gonna
1: say, there's that, and then, and there's lots more to that, but also, should we get to Denton?
0: Well, no, because I think that this this intensity continues just to one more point, which is that... yes. Despite sort of nominally joining Team Pulitzer, obviously all the guys that he had been beating up for the past like, week hate him. So they are like, you know, we're going to go hunt down your friend David and sort of, oh you know, God, rough this him up. Moment, and, it's
1: unbelievable.
0: Yeah. And so then we switch to Sarah, the sister, and Les, the baby brother, walking down the street, and these same guys who were, you know, saying threatening things are following her. The Delancey was, brothers are oh, no, oh, no. our favorites. Yeah. The Delancey brothers, yes. The sort of like, that I don't know what like, their job is, really. They're just thugs.
1: They're, yeah. like, thugs <laughs> who are vaguely attached to Mr. Weisel, I think.
0: Who's the guy who sells them the newspapers that yeah. they then sell. Yes. But anyway, yeah, so they're sort of menacing Sarah, and they sort of get her in this alleyway, and she they're sort of, like, pushing her around. In
1: a sort of vaguely sexually menacing way.
0: Definitely, definitely. And then you expect Jack to come running in. Right. But instead, David comes running in. Right. And starts beating them up. And they sort of leave Sarah and Les alone and start kicking the crap out of David. Correct. And that is who... Yes. Jack, passing by, hears shouting for help. (laughs) Yep. And comes to rescue. Right. It would make... It it would change nothing at all to have it be Sarah that he rushes in to rescue, and that indeed seems to be precisely what they are setting up. But instead... But instead, they bait and switch us at the last minute. Yes, and it's David that he has to come and rescue. Yep. And it's... Yeah, and
1: David's getting the F like the literal shit kicked out of him. And then Jack, h- having been like all, you know, like clean cut and shiny and looking super miserable and like holding some papers and like looking like his soul's been sucked out by a dementor, is just like walking down the sidewalk and is like,
0: What? And
1: then like I hear dash- my boyfriend's voice. Yeah, and then like dashes into an alley, like throws the newspapers to the ground and then kicks the shit out of the Delancey brothers, who then run away also one of whom has brass knuckles. It's very menacing. And then, and then in the like scrabble to like, you know, there's a lot of, there's some bloody noses. There's some like fucked up clothes. The Delancey brothers end up running away. And then the, instead, instead of like rushing to Sarah's aid, which is what you're like, yes, yes, this is what's happening. No, he like first, I'm fairly certain like pulls like poor battered David up off the ground and then like gets everybody up, and everybody's like heavy breathing. And then there's that tiny moment at the end of that scene where, um, oh my god, David says something like sassy and like really like here you fucking are all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like he like <laughs> right. he, he like says a sassy thank you that ends with um, uh, like yeah, it's like something that's like oh you're fucking back. And then Jack says Jack says well I guess I can't be something I ain't. And then David says uh like what like. What does he say? A, sc- a scab. And then Jack says, no, smart. Well, you couldn't stay away? Well, I guess I can't be something I ain't. Scab? No, smart. But it's just, yeah. like, the weirdest, most loaded moment. It's deeply strange.
0: Well, and again, it's, like, after this big rescue moment, we don't end on... Jack and Sarah. She doesn't so speak! Loving, she doesn't speak. She has nothing to say. The moment is no. entirely about Jack yeah. and David. Mm-hmm. And again, Sarah is just there, as we're saying, as this sort of shield.
1: Yeah. And in the most perfunctory way, the most interesting thing about Sarah is how little she does. Not even just like, it's like, it's like everybody knows. It's like, we just know. She's barely a part of this. The point is, come rescue your boyfriend from these horrible goons, and then we'll ride on into the final act.
0: Right. It's, yeah, exactly. At yet another moment. Again, it could have been Sarah's the reason that he takes the money. It could have been Sarah's the reason that he sort of breaks with Pulitzer and has to beat up on his own guys. But in both cases, they shift it and make it David instead. Yep. Which brings us then to the sort of climax of the film, I guess, where they sort of decide that The thing to do, they, they go back to this journalist that, who we're going to talk about more in a minute, Mm -hmm. who's been helping them, and he helps them print this sort of expose newspaper about the exploitation of all the children, all the sweatshop workers in New York. And they're like, all of you kids who are workers, come strike with us. The children's (laughs) crusade. The children's crusade is what they literally call it. Yep. And they're like, everybody come, we'll all go on strike and we'll shut down the city. It'll be amazing. And this happens and it's a success because this is a musical. And um, they sort of get their moment of talking to Pulitzer and he walks back the price increase and everybody's happy. And then, oh, and Teddy Roosevelt comes. He's the deus ex Teddy.
1: The deus ex Teddy does happen. Also, I don't want to ride past that scene with Pulitzer in the office because it's one of my favorites. We're like, because earlier in the film, Jack has a negotiation with Pulitzer solo where the one this is the one this is like the point two negotiation with Pulitzer who is really losing his shit also we haven't mentioned this at all because it's not relevant to this point but also just like as a sidebar Robert Duvall as Joseph Pulitzer is doing the single craziest performance of potentially his career and potentially modern cinema it's one of the (laughs) it's one of the strangest things you'll ever see in your born days but also like this so So, I'll talk about the costume journey later, too. But the thing is, like, that scene in The Office, because it was only Jack, nominally the leader of this sort of, you know, whole situation, who has ever been deputized to, like, take demands to Pulitzer or go talk to Pulitzer or whatever, who's being, like, singled out by Pulitzer.
0: The, the the, like, Well, and this is the thing that they fight about when... Yes. When Jack is sort of, when they see Jack scabbing and David's like, you started this, those were all my ideas, you just said them. And he's like, yeah, you never had the guts to say them yourself. Right. Well, like, do now. Yeah. Oh, it's so intense. Part of the sort of parallel journey is like David growing into his confidence as a co-leader of this strike. Right,
1: exactly. And yeah, exactly. And especially because at the beginning, he quite rightly was like, this is a terrible idea. And and including, I mean, in the immortal conversation that you know is my favorite of, um, and Jack saying, well, if we do strike, then we are a union at the very beginning. And David says, no, then we're just a bunch of angry kids with no money. And it's just like, he didn't even want to do it at first. He was very like, no, but I, but I'm just trying to earn money for my family because my dad was in a factory accident. But now he's like, no, I'm, I believe in this. This is important, etc." So that final negotiation scene, I just want to say before we run past it, that like, it's the two of them very much as like sort of equal billing in this like weird conversation with Pulitzer where they're like up in his office and they can hear the like crowd shrieking outside and the square is full of children chanting and it's like a whole thing and then Jack I mean that Pulitzer is like fucking you again and then he's like who's this (laughs) because David has never spoken to him before and then Jack's like oh, this is my pal, David, and then, like, introduces him and then sits down and lets him talk, and it is one of the, like, I mean, I paused, I paused on it when we rewatched the film for a long time, because there is, (laughs) there is a moment of just, like, such pure adoration where David is standing there just, like, talking really well, and Jack sits down and is just like... Look at him go. There's just, like... He's gazing. Like, he's just
0: gazing at him.
1: It's yeah. unbelievable. Also, maybe we should be making more of the fact that David, because he's, like, smart and a negotiator and, like, educated and doesn't have a horrifyingly bad New York accent, the fact that David's moniker is the walking mouse. <laughs> there's something... <laughs> there's, there's something, something to that. that, is
0: there not? I will say that the one thing that the musical makes gayer than the movie is that oh. they exclusively refer to themselves after they meet as Jackie and Davy.
1: <laughs> they do... They... They periodically do in the film, I feel like. Or Jack Jack, Jack call, does to David.
0: Jack calls him Davy. I don't yes. think David ever calls him Jackie. No, because, because
1: that's insane. Can you imagine looking at an, an early 90s Christian Bale and calling him Jackie? It feels wrong.
0: It <laughs> uh, feels gay. feels gay. But, um, and therefore, right. And therefore, but anyway, <laughs> so that happens. Yeah. And they're successful. Pulitzer sort of gives in. And everybody goes back outside. And to everyone's surprise, Jack says like, hey, Teddy Roosevelt, will you give me a ride to the train station? Because his dream the whole movie has been to go to Santa Fe. At first he lied and said his parents were like cowboys at West in Santa Fe. Turns out that's not true. He's like, course. they're dead or his dad's in jail or something. Yeah, his dad's um, in jail, his mom's dead. Yeah, and so, but he's still, that's been his dream. That's what he wants to do. His nickname amongst the newsies is Cowboy because he's so obsessed with the West, and he sings a whole song riding on a horse that he somehow found.
1: It's one of my favorite, most inexplicable moments.
0: Also that yeah, when we were like, is the cowboy hat real? But then it
1: is real and not a mirage, because it appears in later scenes.
0: Yeah, he's always wearing a cowboy hat, but he just has it down, and he only, like, around his neck, and he only kind of puts it on sometimes. But anyway, so he's like, Teddy Roosevelt, take me to the train station. And everyone's like, what? Oh, (laughs) gosh, this, this plot points back? Okay. (laughs) And so... Uh, Jack rides off with Teddy Roosevelt, who does confirm that he did, in fact, escape the refuge on his carriage. That was not a lie.
1: But the impression that we're given is that it that Jack, like, hitchhiked out on his scare like, like, that he, yeah. like, jumped on the back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, like, in it with him. It was, like, right. he was, like, clinging to the back. But, like, it is confirmed as true and not just Jack flying. Yeah. So... It's sort of this weird, like, I think deliberately in like this sort of lovely way, anticlimactic moment where he rides off and the crowd sort of peters out and the bell rings and the newsies are like, oh God, we have to go sell some papers.
1: I know. That's the, that's always the moment of the film where like after all of the dramatic strife and like, you know, just like after all of the like in jail, out of jail, in the refuge, out of the refuge, people are getting kidnapped. Like after like all of the struggle of the film, you get to the very end and then the carrying the banner music from the beginning like kicks back in and then you're like, oh, that's right. Now we have to go back to our lives, which is wandering around the city in the hot sun for hours on end, selling newspapers, like, for a penny a paper, and at least we don't have to lose another 10 cents a hundred, but we're back to our lives.
0: Right. We have gained a tenth of a cent.
1: And that shit matters uh yes. i but mean yeah. it does
0: it does it does in, in those days so they're all sort of like wandering back and david is like taking his place he's at the front of the line and he's the first one to sort of slap his penny down and order a hundred i think 150 100, 100
1: 100 100
0: papers the boy who only wanted 20 at the beginning has oh, now learned look how he's grown he believes he can sell 100 papers um and then oh and then, my goodness a commotion everyone turns and we see triumphantly, mm-hmm. the return of Teddy Roosevelt's carriage with Jack in it. He's decided not to go and told the governor of New York, oh my God, I'm so sorry, could you just turn around? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Actually, I, I'm in love with someone back there. Can I, need I to- never mind, Teddy, I got it. Thanks. Thanks for
1: the advice, Governor. Like you said, I still got things to do.
0: Besides, I got family here. And so they're rolling in and all the newsies are freaking out and cheering and they cut to Jack. I mean, sorry, they cut to David. Yes. He just has this look on yeah. his face. He like, literally
1: oh. loses breath. He falls a little bit onto the counter.
0: Yeah, he just, he, he just this, he's stricken. Yep. He's in shock. He can't believe what he's seeing. Like, yeah. all the other boys are jubilant, and he's just like...
1: Also, Sarah, like, cries a little bit, and then it cuts back to David.
0: Yeah. There yeah. is a moment
1: where she's just like, ah! And then David's like,
0: I am weak. It's very intense. Yeah. It's really funny. And so then, like, Jack gets out of the carriage, and he's, like, in this roiling crowd of newsies, and then he just sort of stops. And the camera goes from, like, him looking at David to David looking at him. And it is, like, literally fully, like, Tony and Maria in the gym in West Side Story, where there's just chaos all around them, and the two of them are these two points of stillness. It's incredible. In the chaos. It's incredible. Just looking at each other, not saying anything. Also, then... There is that, like, incredibly
1: cocky, like, sup, nod thing that Jack does. And then the, like, the, like, most overtly bedroomy eye contact.
0: Yeah, and David, like, gets flustered and laughs and looks away. Uh, yeah. It's, uh,
1: incidentally the greatest gif of all time, but, um... Amazing. Yeah, but it's, I
0: mean, it is just, like, it is... It is such a romantic framing, like, from a cinematography perspective of, like... Genuinely. There's all this movement around them, and then the two of them Mm -hmm. are just completely still. And then the swell of soundtrack. Yeah. That, like,
1: builds to this pause, and then Jack says, how's the headline? And David says, the immortal
0: headlines. Headlines don't sell papes. Newsies sell papes. The advice Jack gave him.
1: From the very beginning. While putting on his newsy hat as well for the, like, maybe
0: first time? Yeah, I think he had a hat at the beginning, took it off, and then hasn't put it back on since. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Um, And so then he, like, comes down, him and Jack do the, like, spit in the hand, handshake, which comes back at last. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And then, up comes Sarah! She's still here. Remember her?
1: She hasn't said anything in about 45 minutes.
0: And won't. And won't, she, again. She has no more lines. She just comes up and like literally just like muscles her way through the crowd and her and Jack kiss and everyone cheers. It is fully every emotional beat of this climax has gone to David. And then at the last second they send in Sarah for the kiss. We
1: literally just have to like land it on a body and it's just like, here she is. Oh, that's right. It's the girl who is your sister. Like, it's like, Oh, okay. It's like the same her proxy David. Family. Yeah. It's literally just the most overt proxy system. It's unbelievable. They have all of this weird eye contact, that incredibly triumphant moment. They're like literally like weak and heavy breathing. We do the weird hand thing.
0: And then and the whole emotion of the moment is like these two are yes. reunited. Yes. Jack and David don't have to be separated.
1: That is the conclusion of the film. Like that is the emotional conclusion.
0: And then, and we, and then we kiss the girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's just like this beautiful example of like, yeah, it's just this displacement. And then in the end, they all sort of like march back out dancing and Jack walks out one arm around Sarah, one arm around David. Yup.
1: Because that's how you get it done in 1992.
0: Extraordinary. And I think the point that you made before is exactly it. It's that Sarah exists for no other purpose except for When the emotions with David are getting too intense. Yes. It's something to displace all that feeling onto.
1: Yes. I mean, is this the proper moment for me to double back to the waking up on the fire escape? I think you should. I think, okay, because the thing is, the moments where Sarah exists are the first scene where she pops up, we're around the dinner table, it's like Jack and David getting to know each other, intimacy beat. And then here's Sarah to legitimize some of the like weird, warm, romantic feeling that he's like clearly starting to feel for this family. And then, like, even though they, like, introduce tension between them, what happens at the end of that dinner is that that scene ends with Jack and David, like, lingeringly, like, leaning over the fire escape together.
0: Speaking of Tony and Maria.
1: uh, Yeah, it's very intense. And they're, like, out there by themselves, and there's this weird, like, sort of confessional getting to know each other, like, honesty moment where David is telling Jack about his father's accident and is like, yeah, that's why we have to, like, work and stuff. And then Jack has that, like, horrifyingly sad line where he says, your family's real nice, like mine. And it's, like, horrible and awful. And then the dad is like, come to bed. And the David's like, okay, good night. And so, like, the fire escape is established as this very, like, confessionally emotional, like, Jack-David space. And then at some point in the middle of the film, for almost no reason – It's really like a beat that exists outside of time in the movie. It has nothing to do with the plot at all.
0: No, as all things with Sarah do. No, it
1: like, we cut away from the actual story at some moment before the arrest. It's like out of, so out of time, I don't remember where it is. Where, um, it cuts to that same fire escape where Jack is asleep and Sarah wakes up in the morning, notices that he's asleep on her fire escape, the fire escape. And then, like, pokes the window and is like, are you asleep? And then he's like, yeah, it's nice out here. And then you're like, oh, man, he's homeless. And then she's like, let's go up to the roof. And so <laughs> if they go so they go up to the roof. And there's, like, a, it's, like, the only thing that almost passes for a heterosexual love scene in the film, except for it begins with, like, Jack asleep on... David's fire escape which is what that space is in the movie and then Sarah's the person that's there and she's the person we can have the scene with
0: it is really weird because yeah it's clearly so early in the morning that the newsies aren't at work or they're not they're already yes. on strike at this point so aren't like off trying to you know stop other newsies from gabbing, right and yet David doesn't appear to be in the house? I know. It's Where's very David? Weird. I know. Where is David? Because
1: if David was Still here, asleep. we'd be having this scene with David. But yeah. yeah, like no one is around but Sarah. And then she's just like, here I am with my 90s hair. And it's just like the most, like, she's just like, it's me here to be the girl. And then we go up to the roof. They have a quick conversation about like, you know his sort of eventual plans to leave and, like, the beginning of the suspense in the movie of, if we're all successful, is he gonna stay or is he gonna go? And that kind of begins there. But it's, like, it's such an interesting moment to me because it's her only significant scene and Mm -hmm. it it begins in a David space in a weird, like, vacuum version of the movie where David isn't in the house. Yeah. It's, like, very weird. Yeah. 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 And then she only exists in two other places. The scene where she's getting threatened by the Delancey brothers, but then that moment is about rescuing David, and then the end, which is the big emotional conclusion, and then we just have to, like, plant a kiss on somebody, or we're all gonna, like, need to take a cold shower, and so she's the one that's there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's just wild. It's wild how consistent it is, and how consistently pointless she is as, like, a narrative device, because, like, I mean, sure, you know, we all sort of, lots of movies will throw in a romantic subplot that's not, super relevant or the woman doesn't have a lot to do but it's like she doesn't even play any narrative purpose like the story would be exactly the same if jack wasn't falling in love with david's sister it changes nothing you could cut it yeah and probably should but probably should but they didn't yeah but they didn't so so let's talk about a romantic subplot if you will that has a little more impact and we feel like this is maybe this is more of a stretch i feel like people who have seen newsies have probably been with us up to this point, but on a recent rewatch that we did, (laughs) we noticed a second, a second sort of free song. I want to to
1: deliver the credit of that one to you because I feel like you first noticed it and I do think it's properly groundbreaking, so.
0: Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Um, And again, this is born of the fact that David Moscow, the actor who plays David, is incapable of yeah. looking at another human man without. He care if
1: he grew up to be heterosexual? Like sixteen-year-old David Moscow was gay as all shit.
0: I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, there was something happening there, I don't or care. just like he thought that acting meant like staring at people really intensely, and that and he's not comes wrong. across. I don't know, but anyway, basically, we're talking about David and Denton, the newspaper reporter, who is um, played by Bill Pullman, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, as yeah. soon as I said
0: that, I was like, is that wrong? Yeah, he's played by Bill Pullman. He comes in and sort of the first character he talks to is David. He sort of sees them in their sort of first nascent mini- Because strike. Jack isn't there,
1: because Jack is already trying
0: to talk to Pulitzer at Yeah, that and moment. So he, yeah. Yeah. And so he comes up to David and he's like, Are you the leader? And he's like, No, 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 no. Jack's the leader, but yeah, we're going on strike. And so Denton sort of becomes their like mentor in a way. He like mm-hmm. helps them get in the newspaper and he kind of gives them advice. And then, like I said, at the end he um, helps him print this, like, broadsheet newspaper that calls all the other children of New York to a strike. Um, but it's, I mean, so, like, we are talking about, like, a 17-year-old and an adult man. Yep. But it's just, it, there's vibes, man. So the first moment that I noticed this was There's this amazing number called the King of New York that is midway through the movie. It's a tap number among other things. And it's sort of the morning after Denton has gotten them on the front page of the paper and they're all having this big celebration, jubilant over being the Kings of New York because, you know, once you're in the newspaper, that means you're famous Mm -hmm. and everything's amazing. Mm -hmm. and. They're sort of celebrating all the things that you get when you're famous. And it's David who sort of jumps in, in the song and is like, and also Denton, he's a cool guy. Like, thanks to him, this is because of him. And everyone's like, yay, Denton, he's the king of New York. But then there's another moment after where David is again compelled to give Denton credit for sort of helping them out. And he like leads a toast. But before he leads the toast, he turns to him and you can just see his eyes flick up yeah. and down over Denton's body. It is a dead ass st- elevator. Yeah, it's just like, oh, hello, like, up and down, and then it's like, oh, let's toast this man.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's like,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, 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 and then he, and there's also, there's also a lot of, um, there's like, uh, there's a side hug that happens in that moment.
0: Yeah, well, it's, there's a lot of sort of, in their sort of mentoring of the newsies, it's sort of, like, very filtered through david so it's like all of the conversations that denton has are basically with david and david is the character that he sort of is connected to even though he's sort of theoretically helping all of them yes which i think he has almost no
1: relationship with jack
0: no they talk like twice yeah and so again this is the second character as i alluded to where david gets betrayed twice yep and in the sort of, you know, 11th hour of darkness, everyone's falling away from the cause. Denton also gets sort of lured away. The newspaper barons figure out what's going on. They want to get him off the story, so they're going to send him back, you know, abroad to be a war correspondent, which mm-hmm. is what he was before. And he sort of like sorrowfully informs David and the newsies of this. And once again, even though he's saying this to the entire group and it's something that affects the entire group, it is fully it's framed. As a for
1: David, yeah.
0: Personal betrayal of David specifically. There's literally a moment when david turns away dramatically grabs him by the arm and pulls him back around and is like you don't understand he says they don't always fire you david yeah and it's so and again it's just like no one else i mean and like it makes more sense in this context because it's mostly david who's like spoken with him but still just like the framing is like this is a personal betrayal of Mm -hmm. david specifically and again his face is just like oh my noble
1: older mentor
0: yeah, like yeah. just like open devastation and sorrowful disdain. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Which then culminates in <sighs> they're returning to Denton's apartment because they realize, like, okay, we need to print this, you know. They find his story that he wrote that, um, the (laughs) publishers wouldn't let him print.
1: That- uh, that we find because little brother Les wrapped it around a hot dog, and then one of Sarah's- actually, this could be argued, this is so sad, as the only effect Sarah has on the plot, she opens a drawer and finds an old hot dog and says (laughs) in an incredibly 1992 way, Les, what is this? And then she pulls
0: open the thing and then Les is like- and then like cut to D- like, no, no. She's like, David, look. And we got to David who's standing at the window, staring sorrowfully and silently out the window in the corner. In the
1: most homosexual way. <laughs> he's just like, he's also, again, there's that fire escape. He's literally staring at an empty fire escape. It's still the same fire escape where all of our tender emotional conversations have happened.
0: Yeah. But so, yeah. So Sarah finds it, and they bring it to Denton, and they're like, <laughs> what do we do? This article's great. It's about all the exploited children in the city. This would bring the city down, and so right. they decide to print this paper. Yes. So they arrive at his house, and it's Jack who's, like, in the lead, and he's like, Denton, is all this true? And Denton's like, yeah, come in, come in, and he, like, invites. <laughs> it's like, Sarah, Jack, and David are all there, and yes. Jack goes in, Sarah goes in. David stops in the doorway, and him and Denton just look at each other it is for a minute. It is the tensest eye contact. And then... Yeah. He, like, grudgingly goes in. Yeah, and then
1: Denton, like, like, guiltily closes the door. And it's It's, very weird.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, and I think that's even a better example, because, like, Jack's the other lead, you know, so in theory, it would make sense for it to be like, oh, he has betrayed all of them. But it's like, no, no, Jack doesn't care. I mean, obviously Sarah doesn't care. Mm -hmm. But, like, David cares. and we care
1: so much. It's so
0: intense. So much. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, to me, I can't work this out. Like, there's something in these, like, parallel betrayals. I don't know what it means that Mm -hmm. poor David keeps getting, like, I mean, I guess it's to do with that his storyline is learning to, like, believe in himself, so he needs to, like, lose the support of the people that he kind of, like, leaned on as Mm -hmm. kind of the people who would speak for him. Yeah. So that he has to speak for himself. But there's something in these sort of, like, parallel betrayals.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's also, like, we've talked about the fact that one of the things that makes it gay and also really good storytelling and also better than the musical is that it is properly a dual protagonist structure as a film. And, like, and the thing is, like, the core... I mean, I know we'll probably get to this in a minute. I know you'll, you'll likely discuss it as we talk about how the musical D gave the story, but like the function of David's growth is be betrayed by men that I love in order to properly, <laughs> in order to <laughs> properly like find my voice as a human. And if you don't, his personality is be, be betrayed by the men that I love. And if, if that doesn't like, if, if that isn't his personality, then he doesn't get to be a protagonist. Like, you know what I mean? Like, without that, he doesn't, that's what his growth is. And that's what it, that's what him being, like, equally important to the narrative looks like. And without it being gay, he's not equally important to the narrative. (laughs)
0: Like, I mean, I think that's, like, genuinely it. So the thing that the stage musical does is recognizing that it's, it's 2012 or whatever it was, and you have to have female characters in your musical. They turned Denton into Catherine, who's a young lady reporter who turns out is secretly Pulitzer's daughter, and that's, like, the source of the I forgot about that. That is so stupid. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. Yeah. uh, They tried. They tried. Um, And so, like, this has, as you say, this has the sort of effect of kind of reducing David from his, like, co-protagonist role, because now Catherine, because she's the love interest, gets sort of elevated to that position. And all of the sort of emotional attention and intimacy that in the movie goes to David Mm -hmm. instead goes to Catherine. Mm -hmm. And it is really telling that when you take away from David the sort of emotional intimacy with Jack and the intensity of his connection to Denton, suddenly the character has nothing to do. Yeah. And he just sort of recedes into this, like, kind of pointless secondary character. Right. Because, as you've just said, the core of his character is the intensity of this relationship. And I think it's really telling that they couldn't find any way to depict that Mm -hmm. relationship and that friendship with Jack... Once they'd given all the romantic energy to Catherine. Yep. Like, take that away, and somehow there's nothing left. Yeah,
1: I feel like they were, of course, trying to do a thing of like, remember how that girl in the movie was pointless and had no purpose? Let's like make the love interest a real person. But like, failing to notice that the real love interest isn't already a real person. Yes. Yes.
0: And his name is David. And his name is
1: David. Moscow.
0: Yeah, so I think that, like, in a funny way, it's, like, the fact that there's only, like, a shell of David's character left when he doesn't get to be the sort of focus of Jack's emotional romantic attentions kind of is evidence in favor of our point that, like, this is just there. And again, like, it's a knock-on effect because then when Denton's emotional, like, attentions are all towards Jack and they clearly didn't want to make a love triangle. right. Suddenly, David has nowhere to kind of put his feelings, and has no feelings to mm-hmm. receive from other characters either. Right?
1: Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Evidence in favor, for sure. Evidence in favor. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you.
1: Yeah. And Lock I think. It. Yeah. Log it. Mark it. Um. I think it's interesting because we've also talked about the fact that like, even though the musical is longer, it feels flatter because it's instead of being instead of like. What you get instead of, like, (laughs) deep gay friendship is, like, you know, better, like, better song and dance. And also, like, the – we've talked about – we've talked about the musical numbers of the movie so little because one of the weird things that makes it kind of successful as a piece of storytelling, I feel like, is that the musical numbers are good, but they also, like, are entirely secondary to the character growth. Like, it's a weird thing of, like, it is actually, like, a film that has some songs –
0: Yeah, they're all group numbers. There's really only one solo, which is Jack's song about Santa Fe, and that's the only sort of, like, classical musical theater I want Dance with a horse. Yeah, He does dance with a horse, but it's also, like, really the only, like, you know, oh, the song where the protagonist says his desires, which are going to drive the rest of the movie, except for that they don't because it's about a strike, not about him trying to get to Santa Fe. Right. Right, yeah. And, I mean, they're all just, like, fun, fun and, like, sometimes
1: quite beautiful, like, ornamental kind of, like, you know, and some of them, like, absolutely slap, but it's yeah. m- not, um, it's so much more driven by the dialogue than a lot of movie musicals are, I don't know, it's an interesting distinction.
0: Yeah, yeah, as, as though I think David is fully the secondary protagonist, he doesn't get a solo, which mm, in of stage musical is really conspicuous and is part of what makes him seem inessential because all the other leads get solos. right. Right. Except for, I guess he does, he's, like, he, like, starts, sees the day. Right. But then that's, like, sort of a group strike number. Like, that's not really about David himself as a character. Right. No, no, no. Mm. Okay. Very good. What, well, what remains? What remains? Well, I think that you sort of had some, some final thoughts about David and his... Oh, the costume journey? Yeah. Okay, listen.
1: There's, like, a whole separate podcast that we could do entirely about the levels of undress of shirts in this film. Um... (laughs) just watching buttons button and watching buttons get unbuttoned off screen, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, No, the thing is, just, just like, the fact, as we mentioned at the very beginning, when we meet, the, like, status quo of the characters, like, where we begin, is that Jack is like, it's me, I'm sort of a cowboy, I'm covered in dirt, and I have a lazy bandana ascot going on. And David is like, I'm very clean, I definitely have parents, I am, like, and a tie and a tie buttoned all the way to the very top button etc the journey of david's clothing in this film is so funny to me because it like it starts there and then i forget exactly where it is it might be the rally it might be it might be the rally with meta where at the where we're finally like ooh that ooh that top button is unbuttoned david ooh we've gone unbuttoned and then there's like a story of the losing of layers that is so interesting and then basically just like by the time we get to that final incredibly gay longing like the greatest gift of all time where Jack's like that's right I'm back and then David's like headlines don't sell paper. The Tony like, and Maria moment. The Tony and Maria in the gym moment. Um, by the time we get there he's entirely lost the outer shirt and he's wearing just like an incredibly dirty like Henley essentially which is like <laughs> which is like three buttons undone And then, so that by the time he's, like, putting the newsy hat on and wearing only an undershirt, it is the the gayest (laughs) looking frame of the film. It's unbelievable. And also just, like, I mean, like, sidebar, sidebar, we kept commenting when we watched it about the fact that that weird, tense David Denton moment where they, like, rock up to his house when he's on his way out of town and they're like, did you mean everything you wrote in this letter and then yes. he's like yes come into my house and then they have that like weird moment he, they're wearing essentially the same costume it's just yeah. like everybody gay in this scene is well like and also they're all wearing the same shirt it's deeply strange like both like jack david and Denton are all wearing a vertically striped like white and blue shirt and then david and Denton are wearing like identical brown tweed vests it's very weird. It's like so weird. So yeah, there's a lot going on with that. But like it's just the, from the beginning to the end and also Jack's, Jack has like a similar thing but also his kind of character doesn't move. The needle doesn't move as much. But except for of course when he's like wearing uh conspicuous clean pulitzer scab clothes. And then and then like gets all like tousled and ruined by like saving David from the Delancey brothers and then we're like there it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's truly moving. Much like the film itself. Much like the film
1: itself. I mean, I think,
0: I think we've made a compelling case.
1: I do too. I'm trying to think if there's anything else vital or or stray that needs to be sort of thrown in there. I could consult the library of uh, incredibly gay gifts that I've assembled on my phone, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as part of this endeavor. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of nicely longing eye contact at the beginning of um, uh, whatever that song is. The world will know. Like in the, like at every moment of their like critical like, critical turning moment of their relationship when something is about to happen to the plot. Or, like, you know, like, at the moment where David's like, okay, like, the Cyrano de Bergerac moment where he's like, this is what you tell them in order to get them to strike. And then Jack is like,
0: quick, help. Like,
1: at every intimate, like, conspiring moment, there's just, like, an intense amount of eye contact, but also just, like, a shit ton of casual touching. And the thing is, as we said at the beginning, it's not that, like... Absolutely, we're not making the case that all, like, homosocial, like, bro bonds that involve a lot of casual touching are
0: deeply gay. It's just that this one
1: is deeply, deeply gay.
0: I mean, I think that's all there is to say. Uh,
1: yeah. I think that's pretty much Thank you for joining us.
0: We look forward to pointing out why more (laughs) movies that appear to be heterosexual are
1: not. Are gay.